This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents, welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson, and joining me as always is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hello. And unfortunately listeners, we are joining you after, I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest, a, a 5-1 thrashing um, at the hands of Tottenham yeah, the, on the, Sunday. The wrong Tottenham turned up, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. I mean, you, you yeah, uh, you've got to say that if they... If the defeats at Chelsea and Everton sort of clipped our wings slightly, this this one really sent us crashing back down to earth with um, an almighty reality check, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a pleasant watch, but um, it it just kind of heralded a bit of a collapse. It didn't help when there was that small scuffle, like proper something out of nothing, and then about three players then got booked within a very short period of time, and it just kind of triggered. The beginning of the end really felt like Newcastle almost felt there was a lot riding of this, which wasn't really the case. But yeah, it just kind of imploded, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, Newcastle, because we actually took the lead in this game. I have to say, even when we took the lead, I wasn't necessarily confident we would go on to, to win the match or anything. But a bit of a surprise um, source for the lead. Fabian Share, free kick of all things, not like a a header or something like that. I mean, he is good for the occasional goal, but um, I wasn't expecting him to to step up and take the free kick. Um, and that was roughly about yeah, in the 39th minute. You know, good chance to to so good time to score. You know, you think well, you can get to half time and 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 go from there. And it's it's uh, it's a pretty good pretty good blow just before that break. And then you know, unfortunately, sort of two or three minutes later. Spurs were level um, through. I mean, what you've got to say actually was a really well worked Ben Davis header. The, the cross from Sun um, was brilliant, but yeah, and then just the, the collapse just absolutely it it just continued into the second half. I mean, again, we'd conceded again about two minutes into the second half through through Matt Doherty. Um, so essentially, if if you ignore the halftime break, we we basically took the lead. And then, you know, within about six or seven minutes of in-game time, we were behind again. And it's almost, it's a bit like the the first match of the Eddie Howe era. Of course, he wasn't actually um, managing in that game because uh, he had COVID. Oh, no, it was, I think, I think that, yeah, I, th- I think I'm remembering this rightly, where we scored really early on against Tottenham at home. I think through Callum Wilson, and we scored after like a minute, and then very quickly we just got battered. And it was a it was a bit like watching that again, to be honest. Um, you just let Tottenham get into a rhythm, and then obviously two minutes into the second half, um, another goal for Tottenham, and it just snowballed. They just found their, as I say, they found their rhythm, and Newcastle just unable to play any form of real football at that point. And it was it's just thick and fast after that. It, to be honest, that second half was a bit of a nightmare for Newcastle. I mean, fair play to Tottenham. They have played 
really well in this match. But yeah, probably the worst performance under Eddie Howe so far and the heaviest defeat of Newcastle season, which actually says quite a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like you say, they, they did come thick and fast. Um, so yeah, Doherty two minutes into the second half and then very quickly, you know, Sun got in on the act, Emerson Royale, um, Steve Bergwijn then finished it off um, a little bit later on. And although obviously he didn't get on the score sheet, Harry Kane was sort of orchestrating it all as well, pulling the strings um, with a, unfortunately a bit of a masterclass performance from him. And as we said, that it, as you said, exactly from a Newcastle point of view, it was just completely the wrong Tottenham <laughs> that turned up. Because obviously, you know, that, that's the thing that obviously must be quite frustrating if you are a Spurs fan. But when you've got Son and Harry Kane, you know that they can absolutely tear you apart if they're on form. And unfortunately, they, they were on form uh, on Sunday, but as you said, equally, it wasn't just that they were brilliant. We we really were quite poor. Just lack of organisation at the back, just no sort of real cohesion throughout the team, and uh, yeah, it's just a sloppy performance. I mean, since this game, they only conceded any uh, seven Premier League goals in twenty twenty two, and then obviously five in here. I mean. It's just a reminder that there's still a lot more to be done um, with Newcastle in the defence particularly. And yeah, Newcastle don't have a nice run of games. Wolves, Leicester, Crystal Palace. We've seen how fragile Newcastle can be mentally when it comes to certain matches and taking it this defeat against some tricky opponents who are unpredictable at times, maybe not Leicester necessarily, but Wolves and Crystal Palace definitely. They've been very, very strong this season and it is quite a concern considering the, the performances that have been put on and how this sudden changeover now from being organised and being very aggressive in the play now has turned to a team that yet again can't defend. They make rash decisions, the wrong decisions and just unable to play out from the back. So, I guess we'll just see how it goes. Yeah, I think I think the key um, with those next two games, as you say, not not easy opponents, any of them. Um, the the key is that all three of them are going to be at home for Newcastle. So it, I think it is pretty vital that we do see a response, not necessarily from a oh my god, are we going to slip back into the relegation battle point of view? I mean, well. If we lose all three of them, maybe we will. Um, and I really hope, obviously, we don't see that. But more just in terms of, you know, as as a, as we said last week, you know, we want to see them try and kick on now till the end of the season, not sort of rest on their laurels. We don't want to see them on the beach. And I didn't think that we'd necessarily seen that, you know, in the Chelsea and Everton defeats, as we said. we were, Well, so we were robbed at Chelsea. And we weren't great at Everton, but, Maybe a little bit unfortunate to sort of lose pretty much with the last kick of the game. Yeah, but, but I mean, the, this is this a different one... team that turned up, and I don't understand why. Um, yeah, yeah, as you, as you said, the Everton match, you're unlucky, but Newcastle didn't play as they had played before. Um, but this trend then now seems to be Newcastle just almost getting complacent again now that they're out of the relegation zone. As I said before, Newcastle do struggle sometimes with that mentality. Um, between matches and I think that's maybe just because they've been so inconsistent over the last couple of seasons there does seem to be a sense of desperation now that they've not won matches even though they've not necessarily done badly um, 
and that desperation has just made a whole list of bad decisions, I think, in this match um, that, that then resulted in, to be honest, quite a humiliating defeat against Spurs. I really thought Newcastle should have done a lot better um, in the long run. Yeah, it's still Spurs. Lots of people would never have expected Newcastle to win, but I expected a fight, and that's what we didn't see. Yeah, I mean, if I'm grasping at straws here, um, I think if, if there's one, not positive, but one consolation that we can maybe take from the match, and of course this all depends on what we see in the next few weeks, and Eddie Howe kind of touched on this in his post-match comments as well, is that maybe, maybe this serves as a bit of a wake-up call to the players, and therefore, we, it kind of it does sort of shock them into into providing a bit of a response. Again, I, I realise I'm very much sort of grasping at straws here, <laughs> yeah, but there's yeah. not much else you can do after getting pumped five one. I mean, it's no, there's not. But I mean, you know, know Southampton have taken bigger knocks multiple times. Mm. I'm not saying that they're a better team than Newcastle in any shape or form, but no, to, I mean, this season they have been pretty good. Yeah, um, that's what I mean. That they, they always find a way yeah. to to come back. Um, so, yeah, they might take a knock, but then they do play pretty well afterwards. I'm concerned that Newcastle have not really been in the position where they've consistently played well, got pumped, and then consistently play well again. It's, I, I don't know. I just, I, I might, maybe I'm being a pessimist today. <laughs> like I say, we, we, it's, we need to see that response in, in the next three matches in particular. I mean, certainly. Well, obviously there's eight left, but certainly those next three that are all at home, um, that I think it will play a, a big part in sort of how we look back on this period and what kind of impact that Spurs game has. Um, just moving on to the news now, in terms of the next few games, uh, I mean, which we already we sort of knew, but doesn't seem like Trippier is going to be involved quite yet. Uh, obviously, Eddie Howe was uh, fairly optimistic when we last uh, heard from him. Um, and Kieran Trippier has had a foot scan now, so Howe was able to give a bit of an update. And he, he said he did say that you know his injury's healing, but it's not totally healed. And they're not they're not not as quickly as they sort of wanted to push him, basically. But he does think he will come back this season. But again, seems like it's it's going to be towards the end. Uh, no definitive date at this stage. So. Um, I don't think he'll be featuring any in any of these next three games. Um, not that we were really expecting him to. Um, but speaking of Eddie Howe, actually, there was some more comments from him um, from the other day, which I think is uh, I, I I I thought was uh, was quite good to hear actually, and that is um, Eddie Howe sort of revealing that he he's sort of implementing a sort of all black style uh, so called. No dickheads rule, um, and to be honest, I, I think that surely that should be a rule for everybody all the time. Just don't be a knob. Yeah, well, I, I think I think all sports teams. Well, I suppose you could say any any team in any capacity should should adopt it. But throughout sport, I think it is, um, oh yeah, vital for any team, and it's something that, especially in football as well. You know, there's a lot of big egos. You know, you know when you look at the top level of the of the game, especially, and I think it's is there a player you're thinking of in particular there? Alexander <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Shelby. Uh, <laughs> no, but you, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, you, you. You see teams like like Man United, for example, who at the moment and and for some time have basically just been. 
falling apart. Yeah, well, and, and I think a big part of that is because they are basically just a collection of individuals yeah, with big egos. <laughs> Who um, hate each other, complain behind each other's back, shout at each other on the pitch. Yes, one or two, uh, one or two dickheads. Flaunt off the pitch. Y- you might <laughs> say, uh, even if... Uh, <laughs> don't play because they decided that they didn't want to. Maybe they're playing a lesser team. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not to name any names, but I think that's something that... I mean, it's vital... Um, generally, but also when you look at where the club is is at and where they're potentially gonna gonna be in the next few years, you know, you would think you know spending more money, bringing in better players, and so on. You need to keep that sort of positive team atmosphere. Sort of, you look at Liverpool or or, or Man City, and um, I, I know there's been a bit of talk at Liverpool. Like, mm, you know, is there a bit of a rivalry between Salah and Mane? But overall, they seem like they all get on really well. You look at Man City, and even though they're all absolutely phenomenal players, they don't seem like they have that sort of huge ego. I think Pep Guardiola sort of really sort of drills them into being like, no, you are just part of this team. Um, you know. I think that's the difference. It, it's whether or not. Um the Newcastle takeover is going to turn you into a business uh, that is profitable or um, an, an enterprise which is speculative. And I think that difference is encapsulated by Man United and Man City, to be honest. The, the speculative um, enterprise is, is obviously Man City and the business is Man United. And don't get me wrong, both teams are raking it in. Obviously, one team's doing better in the league um, and better on the pitch. I, th- I think it's literally just going to be how that is. Man United is, as we said, not just a team of individuals, but it's it's a team of um, brands, effectively brands to sell, yeah, um, to, to the fans. And yes, obviously, Man City has also become that, but there seems to be more of an emphasis on on the actual sport and making sure that that gets played. Now, yeah, that can come down to Pep because he, for, by all accounts, is quite a formidable manager and very, very professional. Again, I'm, I'm not saying that um, the Man United managers haven't been that, but the players have not responded and have not respected that. I think the fact that Pep's been there so long, maybe he's had time to build it up, but I also think he's had the support of the board, which maybe Man United managers don't necessarily have mm. because that means it's a, a risk to bring someone in who isn't a big name for them. Um, and then to potentially not do well. So I don't know. Obviously, we're reading between the lines. We don't actually have anything on paper about this, but I'm sure there's quite a few Man United fans who would probably agree with that assessment. And I think that's just going to be all down to how Newcastle decide to run it under Eddie Howe. And this is obviously a really good positive start, implying the fact that they do want to actually make something of the club, not just bleed the club effectively. Not bleed it, that's the wrong way. Farm it, I think, will be better. Mm. Yeah, you make you make a really good point actually, and and you look at Man City versus Man United, and with City, yeah, the football comes first. It's they're they're a cohesive unit from top to bottom. You know, they they knew they wanted Pep Guardiola, and because they've got obviously all the resources they've got, they basically moved heaven and earth to make the club the perfect setup for him to support him. You know, with the backroom staff, right right throughout the club, it's set up basically for Pep in particular, to, to really sort of work his magic and, and focus on the football first and foremost. And then the other stuff um, is, is kind of secondary. And then you look at Man United or even like a PSG, again, this sort of 
the two different directions you could go. You could you could become we could follow in City's footsteps, or we could follow the sort of United PSG type thing. Mm-hmm. As we've said, there's not that cohesion just throughout the club generally. Even throughout the squads, again, it's just a, a bunch of sort of superstars. Um, almost they're almost sort of poor imitations of Real Madrid's Galacticos um, in in a sense. Yeah. So yeah, within that sort of wider context, y- yeah, y- you would hope that um, that the Newcastle owners are basically looking at these two paths ahead and going right. We want to follow Man City. If, if 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 this is the the kind of club that we're going to be now because we've got all these resources. I mean, I'm not saying I want us to be Man City, but that's you would think that that's what the owners want. They're the model that you want to follow. Versus, yeah, a, a Man United or a PSG. Obviously, yeah. when I say that the City are the model you want to follow, <laughs> we all know what they've done in terms of financial fair play things. So I'm not saying from that point of view, but I mean just generally the way the club is otherwise run. That's that's who you want to emulate. Um, I think I think the main concern, therefore, if that is the plan, which it does seem to, because there does seem to be a great deal of support for Eddie Howe, especially in, as we talked about before, the, the signings that Newcastle brought in. But then, if you think long term, is Eddie Howe really the manager that they wanted? Which then means at some point there's going to be another upheaval, and maybe that then the power of Eddie Howe will be taken away at some point to. Uh, to, to to be given to somebody else. So, but obviously that's long term. We can only hope that that doesn't happen for a long time because I think he's actually doing quite a good job. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. Is is chances are, although Eddie Howe is a, is a, you know is a fairly young, you know, exciting English coach, being the first one of this takeover, he is going to be something of a transitional manager, probably unless maybe. I mean, look, you know, if if he does start delivering silverware, then obviously. They'll keep him as long as he keeps doing that, of course, and, and that would be great to see um, and great for him. But yeah, he's in that sort of slightly transitional thing. You know, he's going to get a, at least a couple of years, I think, um, whilst they sort of work on the squad and just to try and bring back a bit of stability after the the Mike Ashley and the sort of Steve Bruce years. Um, Long term, I think you're right. Eventually, they'll probably want to get a bigger name in. God, we're probably going to get Mourinho. <laughs> 100% you're going to get Mourinho. The yeah. only way you're not going to get Mourinho is, you know, and I'm not saying it's a nasty way at all, like, but if Mourinho has some form of life-threatening accident, that is the only way you're not going to get Mourinho. <laughs> and I I'm not saying I wish this on Mourinho. I don't like the man, but I don't want him dead. Um, but that is the only way it's not happening. <laughs> he can do whatever what? he's shown. He can do whatever the hell he wants, be as good or as bad as he wants, and he will still get goddamn hired. So he's going to come to Newcastle. <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose it relates back to what we were just talking about. Is like, I think it, if if we do ever sign Mourinho, and it wouldn't surprise me if we do, I think it will be a good indicator of which model we're going to follow. Because if we're trying to emulate Man City and go that route, then we won't get Mourinho. If we're happy to basically become a Man United PSG type, then we will. Um, <laughs> so we'll we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, so in the in the meantime, I said that Eddie Howe, obviously, as you said, has done a very good job, but he's going to want a response after what was yeah the worst result and worst performance that we've had under him. 
Um, and it's it's going to be a tricky one. We're at home, but we've got Wolves uh, on Friday night. And, you know, Wolves are going to be the hardest a difficult... Degree, I think. Yeah, it, it's not going to be an easy game. They're having a really good season under Bruno Arge. And, I mean, they're, they're eighth at the time of recording. Um, but, they're, you know, they're very much in the mix for that sort of top four, top six race. They're only, I think they're only five points off fourth. I think that makes them even more dangerous because they've got everything to play for at this point. Yeah. Um, every match means something for them. They're not in a risk. They're not in like a, a risky position. They're doing very well for themselves. They're aware of that. But every player is going to be wanting to get into this, um, the European um, league. So at no point are they going to hold back. Yeah. And... On top of that, you, you look at the, the defensive record. I mean, they've only conceded 27 goals this season, which, to, to put in perspective, only Man City, Liverpool and Chelsea have a better defensive record. So it really puts it in perspective, like, they are really tough to score past. And then you look at the fact that, you know, we're not exactly firing on all cylinders at the moment. Chris Wood, obviously, yeah, he got that one against Southampton, so he's broken that duck. But, you know, he, there's not a huge amount of firepower at the moment. Sam Maximan isn't playing at his best either. Um, so you, you look at that combined with uh, how tough they are at the back, and I think it's, it's it could be a, a tough afternoon for our forward players. I think it's going to be a very tough afternoon for, for the rest of uh, the team. Yeah, I know they've only scored 33 goals. Ironically enough, the same as Newcastle, but it's been much more consistent than Newcastle's goal scoring. Um, I feel that they've got the players who are hungrier up front. As we said, we just talked about Chris Wood. Precisely my point. Um, and I, I just, I think they're a bit more efficient. Um, you need a response. And I wish Newcastle all the best of luck, but I personally <laughs> think Wolves are a tougher opposition than Tottenham, especially if Newcastle will let them play their game, which is what happened last night. Yeah, I mean, well... We, we we normally draw one all with Wolves. I think we had about three or four in a row until this season. Then we lost two one to them, so we we broke that run in the uh, in the worst way possible. Um, well, that's not the worst way. We could have lost five one to them. Yep. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, this is this current Wolves team aren't really a team that batter people five one. As I say, they, they've actually only scored the same number of goals as us, and we've not exactly been like amazing going forward for for you know most of the season. Um, but yeah, it, they are obviously a much better team than us all, all round. We are struggling for confidence up front. They, Alex, like they don't necessarily score a huge number of goals, but it's not necessarily because they're like really weak up front. If if that makes sense, it's more just you know they are a bit more of a slightly defensive team. But it's it's going to be a long old night for the for us on Friday. I. I mean, obviously, I just want us to get some sort of result that isn't a defeat. Um, you know, even if it is just a draw, just to sort of stop that rot and, and you know, we can kind of just regroup and, and go from there and try and build a bit bit of momentum again because that's obviously now completely gone. Um, but, yeah, it, it's going to be a difficult one. And first and, for, first and foremost, I just want to see a response performance-wise as well. Whatever the... You know the the result ends up being even if we were to say lose one nil or something. Um, I just want to see us play a lot better. Um, yeah, we've said multiple times that that's been the main aim, and, and for for all but I think the last match Newcastle have obviously under the new management and 
and new owners have, have shown that willingness and the, the good football that they're capable of and I just don't know what happened and I think that's that's the worrying thing the fact that nothing seems to have changed on the surface and yet that performance implies that a lot has changed I don't know let's just hope they had a bad day yeah let's just hope it was just one of those afternoons which um it's bound to happen at some point isn't it yeah um and I suppose again for a bit of perspective the fact that maybe that after that kind of afternoon was a bit more of a surprise when you compare it to recent years where maybe it wouldn't have been as much of a surprise. It does show how, obviously how much we have improved over the last few months. So again, I'm grasping as a straw as listeners, but again, that that's pretty much all you can do after that. But yeah, we're just going to have to see how our Newcastle get on against Wolves um, and we'll be back to talk about it next week. In the meantime, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review, that would be absolutely fantastic. And we've been Magpies Unrestricted. I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. And thanks again, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.